Today is Passover, the highest Sabbath of the year. And today's going to be a little bit different, a little bit more of me doing an independent teaching. First I've ever done, but I felt it was necessary. So we ask our Father to bless us with wisdom and knowledge and to open eyes and open ears as we dive into His Word today and learn about what it means to celebrate Passover. Amen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Disciples' Haven. And today, I felt I needed to talk about the meaning, well, the meaning of and the importance of today, Passover. Now, I'm not going to go into the history of Passover. If you don't know the history, I highly encourage you to listen to episode three titled Passover Ashtoreth. In that episode, you'll learn how rolling for Easter eggs and taking part in these traditions of men really is an insult in the eyes of our Lord and Savior. You see, today, on this Passover day, it was the great day that God sent the death angel over the land of Egypt to take the firstborn of every family. However, it was commanded that those who bore the blood of the lamb on their doorways, the death angel, would pass over them and spare them. On this same day, a similar event would unfold once again. A sacrifice of an innocent lamb would once again have to be made to atone for the sins. But not the sins of just one people, but the sins of the whole world. And just as the days of Moses, to those who take the blood of the Lamb upon them and believe and do His will, that the death angel, that is to say Satan, will pass over you because you are covered and protected by the blood of our Lamb, Jesus Christ. But what do I mean about taking the blood of the Lamb and believing and doing His will? Well, let's go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21. And this is Jesus Christ teaching us something about not only believing, but doing His will. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Allow me to explain what these verses mean. Not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Not everyone who goes to church will inherit the kingdom of God. Not everyone who pays their tithes or does charitable work will inherit the kingdom of God. God isn't interested in your fake religion. You see, today's world paints God as a supernatural being who says, come as you are and everyone should be accepting as you are. Behave whatever way you want. Live the kind of life that you want. But you see, we have a book that explains in detail the type of life that we are to live, a life that aligns with that of God's will, not our own. You see, we have a cancer within Christianity today that is deadly, a type of Christianity that just says, Lord, Lord, but they never change. 
a type of Christianity that preaches on the Easter Bunny and promotes symbols of sexual fertility for their kids to find, all while saying, Lord, Lord. But what kind of Christian is that? A Christian that professes to live like the devil but profess Christ. It lures people into a false sense of security, teaching people all you have to say is Lord, Lord, and your faith in Christ is true. No, my friends, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, for, as it is written, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But what I am saying is when you begin to give your life to God, you cannot live the life you had before. True faith in our Lord requires obedience. It requires discipline. Otherwise, you're just saying, Lord, Lord. You can't repent of your sins and still go on lying. You can't say you fully repented of your sins and still keep being an alcoholic like you used to. You still abuse drugs like you used to. You still fornicate like you used to. You still neglect your duties as a parent like you used to. You still lie like you used to. You still insult and sow discord like you used to. You still commit acts of homosexuality like you used to. You continue to worship idols and false gods like you used to. This type of Christianity teaches one to live the life the way that makes you happy. Because as long as you profess you're a Christian, you're saved. But my brothers and sisters, that is wrong. That is dangerous. These types of Christian want you to believe that your lifestyles and beliefs end up in God's kingdom. I'm here to tell you, my friends, they're wrong. God requires obedience and discipline to His will, not yours. Turn your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man saith he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? The answer is no. Faith alone is not going to save you. I don't care how many times you went to church, raised your hands at God, cried to Him while you were singing. If you continue to live the lifestyle that you had and it doesn't align with the works and teachings of God, i.e. taking part in traditions of men like Easter, you're wasting your time. Because that isn't going to save you. You will meet Jesus face to face and He will look at you in the eye and tell you, Depart from me, for I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Think about that for a minute and feel that gut-punching feeling. Put yourselves in those shoes for a few seconds to feel that your Creator, your Father tells you, I never knew you. The truth is, God isn't concerned about how often you go to church or how many times you say your prayers or how often you profess in His name. What He cares about is your obedience to His Word and to His law. Turn your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Moses is teaching the people what happens when you follow in God's footsteps and listen to His voice, but also what can happen should you not do things God's way and ignore His law and commandments. And verse 1 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Listen to what Moses said, to observe and do, observe and do. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines the word observe as to conform one's actions or practice to, 
something such as law, right, or condition, comply with. The word do is defined as to carry out. Not only are we to comply and conform our actions, we are to carry out the commandments and the will of God, observe and do all His commandments. Not just the first three or the first five, but all commandments. But Jose, I believe in the Lord. I don't worship idols. Rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, idol worship isn't just referring to bowing down before graven images and statues. If you put anything between you and your Holy Father, that is idol worship. That can be work, drugs, lust, greed, power, pride. All of that can easily be turned into idol worship. Now let's go back down to verse 15 of this same chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. And it reads, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. If you don't observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, curses shall come upon you. It's that simple. To some, walking on the path Jesus Christ set for us can be hard, hard path to follow. I'll be the first to admit, I have fallen off that path many times, many times. I'll be honest, there are some things in the Bible that I don't agree with. The fact that there are things written on there because it goes against what I want for myself or what I want to do. Sometimes it's the cravings of the flesh. Other times I feel like I'm being spiritually attacked by trying to convince me that doing this, knowing full well it goes against what God wants for me is somehow okay. We all have failed, some more than others. But that is the importance of Passover. Our Lord came to this earth and dwelt with man in the flesh to show us the right way to live, the right way to love, the right way to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. He extended His love so far that He decided to sacrifice Himself for us, His only begotten Son, innocent of any wrongdoing. But as it is written in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with his stripes, we are healed. My friends, this is what Passover is about. To remember the sacrifice made for all of us, you and I, to know that no matter what you have done in your life, bad or ugly, we can all have a new slate, a new life, a new beginning where we start blemish-free and walk with our Lord and Savior in his ways, not our own. All we have to do is repent. But friends, repenting isn't just crying to the Lord saying, I'm sorry, and then a month from now you go back to living the life you once did before you repented, or else you were just crying, Lord, Lord. No, my friends, repentance is completely admitting your guilt and doing away with that former life of yours. Because this new life is a life that you must walk in the spirit, not the flesh. This new life isn't going to happen overnight, nor am I saying you're going to be 100% sin-free moving forward. This new life is meant for you to get closer and closer to God. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. 
but he expects you to try your hardest and fight. Fight against what your flesh body wants for you. Fight against those little voices telling you to keep doing this and that and the other. It's okay. God loves you still. God expects you to be a disciple and a warrior for him. Like I've said before, it's hard. It's hard for me. I've had to pick up my sword and shield from the ground plenty of times. Plenty of times. But by the grace and the love of God, he has helped me pick me up dusted off my armor and has said stand and fight Passover is considered the highest of holiest days the ultimate Sabbath now while any person can repent of their sins any day of the week why not begin today I mean that is what we are remembering is it not the sacrifice of our Lord for our sins to be washed clean what better day to repent than today because as John would be preaching his famous line, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What did he mean by that? John was as close a follower to Christ. John knew God's kingdom wasn't coming back in his lifetime. So what did he mean? Well, the kingdom of God is at hand because none of us are promised tomorrow. You can very well lay in your bed tonight and take your last breath. You could kiss your kids goodbye as you leave for work and you never make it to work. And that's it. You'll never get the chance to repent again. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. But as I said earlier, repentance isn't just saying you're sorry. You have to mean it and have a change of heart. You have to do away with your old lifestyles, your old choices, and follow the lifestyle God set for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves all of us. The good, bad, and ugly. Each and every one of us was made different just the way God wanted us to be. He made us in His image, and we are all special to Him. Example of God's love for us can be found all throughout His book. King David, a man after God's own heart, ends up sleeping with his best friend's wife and then has his best friend killed, an action God saw as murder, and yet God forgave him. King Hezekiah, probably one of the best kings Judah ever had, he always put God first in everything he did. And what did he we cover before? If you observe and obey, blessings will come to you. King Hezekiah got really sick and was going to die. But he turned to God and prayed for his life to be extended and God gave him an extra 15 years of life. God's love, God's blessings. But then we have King Manasseh who came after King Hezekiah. King Manasseh was probably the worst and most evil king Judah ever had. King Manasseh came to be king only when he was 12 years old. But as he would grow up, he began giving into the ways of the world. He began to make altars to Baal and worship any foreign god at that time. He insulted the real living God. He sacrificed his own children to the god of Molech, literally had them burned as a burn offering to that fake god. He caused the streets of Jerusalem to run with innocent bloodshed from within their own people. You know what God did? He would send prophet after prophet after prophet to Manasseh to warn him, to try to get him to change his ways, but Manasseh wouldn't listen. And God's patience finally ran thin with him. God would eventually have the king of Assyria, Ezra Hayden, take Manasseh captive and binded him with hooks through his mouth and took him to Babylon. Think about that for a minute. This man, a king, thought he could live the life that he wanted until God said enough. 
and Manasseh was taken captive by hooks driven through his mouth and led away. And I want you to turn your Bible to the second book of Chronicles, chapter 33, verse 12, and we pick up where King Manasseh is in captivity. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. While King Manasseh was in captivity with hooks in his mouth, he humbled himself and prayed to God. He prayed for forgiveness. And what did God do? He heard his prayer and brought Manasseh out of captivity and put him back into Jerusalem. What exactly did Manasseh say though? Well, if you have a copy of the Apocrypha, Manasseh's prayer is written in there. And we're going to read it so you can hear the pain and the anguish he felt for betraying the living God. O Lord, almighty God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of their righteous seed, who hast made heaven and earth with all the ornament thereof, who hast bound the sea by the word of thy commandment, who hast shut up the deep and sealed it by thy terrible and glorious name, whom all men fear and tremble before thy power, for the majesty of thy glory cannot be borne, and thine angry threatening towards sinners is importable. But thy merciful promise is unmeasurable and unsearchable, for thou art the most high Lord of great compassion, long-suffering, very merciful, and repentest of the evils of men. Thou, O Lord, according to thy great goodness, hast promised repentance and forgiveness to them that have sinned against thee, and of thine infinite mercies hast appointed repentance unto sinners, that they may be saved. Thou, therefore, O Lord, that art the God of the just, has not appointed repentance to the just, as to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which have not sinned against thee, but thou hast appointed repentance unto me, that am a sinner. For I have sinned above the number of the sands of the sea. My transgressions, O Lord, are multiplied. My transgressions are multiplied, and I am not worthy to behold and see the height of heaven for the multitude of mine inequities. I am bowed down with many iron bands that I cannot lift up mine head, neither have any release, for I have provoked thy wrath and done evil before thee. I did not thy will. Neither kept I thy commandments. I have set up abominations and have multiplied offenses. Now, therefore, I bow the knee of mine heart, beseeching thee of grace. I have sinned, O Lord, I have sinned, and I acknowledge mine inequities. Wherefore, I humbly beseech thee, forgive me, O Lord, forgive me and destroy me not with mine inequities. Be not angry with me forever, 
by reserving evil for me, neither condemn me to the lower parts of the earth. For thou art the God, even the God of them that repent, and in me thou wilt shew all thy goodness, for thou wilt save me, that am unworthy, according to thy great mercy. Therefore, I will praise thee forever all the days of my life, for all the powers of the heavens do praise thee, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. I wanted you to hear Manasseh's prayer because I want you to realize how Manasseh wasn't only sorry, but he was saying how he was going to change his ways. He wasn't going to live the life that he wanted to live anymore. He was going to live the life God wanted him to live. And if you read the next few verses in the second book of Chronicles chapter 33, you'll read how Manasseh would take away all the false idols from the temple of God and commanded all of Judah to worship the living God. Obey and observe. It is written that the stories of the Old Testament are, be, are to be examples for us of what to do and what not to do, of how to live our life and how to not live our life. But I wanted to highlight on King Manasseh because I wanted you to see how it's never too late to ask for forgiveness. It's never too late to begin your new life of walking in the Spirit. Don't be like the 90% of Christians who say, Lord, Lord, have you seen how we have prophesied in your name? But in the end, get told, depart from me, for I never knew you. Be the elect God chose you to be. He knows you can cut it. He knows you can pull through any temptation. God will never allow us to be tempted more than what we can bear. Because once you ask for forgiveness and you really mean it, you really give it your all to live the life according to his word, your relationship with the living God becomes more centered, more disciplined. My friends, Passover isn't some day to celebrate with symbols of fertility and false goddesses, Easter rabbits, Ashtoreth, or Ishtar. Get away from these traditions of men and get right with the word of God. On this day, our Lord and Savior sacrificed himself for all mankind. God doesn't want any of his children to perish, as it's written in the second book of Peter, chapter 3, verse 9, which reads, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Obey and observe. Repentance requires us to apologize and change our heart, our ways, our old life to be done away with and move forward with our new life in Jesus Christ. For as it is written in Colossians chapter 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I encourage all of you, when this show is done, if you can, Celebrate Passover the way Jesus wanted us to do so, in remembrance of Him. Pour yourself a glass of wine or grape soda if you don't drink, and remember that the drink you partake is a symbol for the blood that was shed for you. When you finish that, take a piece of bread and eat it, and remember that it is a symbol of our Lord's body because through the stripes He received, we are saved. And when you are done with that, take a moment and pray to your Father. 
talk with him, ask for forgiveness, thank him for the mercy he shows us, thank him for the blessings he has given you. And as King Manasseh prayed, humble yourself before our God and show God how you will do your hardest to walk the path he has set for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and may you all have a blessed and holy Passover. Thank you.